Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce to you Brent Keltner. He's a founder and president of Winalytics, LLC. How are you this afternoon, Brent? I'm doing, David. I'm doing great, David. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. Looking forward to the conversation. Yes, sir. Well, kick us off with the why. Why did you start Winalytics? Yeah, I had been uh, a successful revenue leader um, across four companies um, that, you know, early, early growth stage that enterprise that I put it on a different growth trajectory. Um, so I had a talent for go-to-market strategy, sales acceleration. And I, I honestly was just sick of people messing with my comp. <laughs> Every time you did well, the goalposts kind of moved. Of course. So I just thought, well, you know, if I can do this for a bunch of people, um, maybe there's an opportunity to control my own destiny a little more. Makes sense. So walk us through what does Winalytics do? Yeah, we do um, go-to-market and revenue acceleration consulting. And a lot of that is sales, but we also work with marketing teams and customer success teams. We're very focused on the, it's about the buyer and customer journey. It's not about the seller journey. So any work you do in sales these days, um, you know, buyers don't follow a linear journey. So our selling, our positioning, or the way we qualify buyers has to be connected to the website, has to be the, connected to the content, the value store that's being put out into the market. And similarly, you know, the sales motion has to be connected to account management and customer success. So our work always starts with the, how do you provide value? for your buyers and customers. And then let's make sure every field team is connected to that value. Those are great, great tips. I'm trying to jot down as fast as I can, Brent. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna walk away with some gems myself tonight. I plan on that. <laughs> and this also goes to your, uh, why did you start the business? I in college was a, uh, a math and a history guy, right? Um, I love telling stories, but I also love pattern recognition and good, good go-to-market strategy. That's all it is. It's recognizing the right stories to tell to the right buyers based on their goals, based on their role, based on market segments. So uh, I was good at pattern recognition around the right stories by buyer type. Um, and, you know, that's what we do at Winalytics. We just help people recognize the right stories for the right buyers and then put it across the arc of the buyer and customer journey. All right. So I'm going to, we're going to have some fun because I'm an inventor and I know a lot of inventors and the biggest <laughs> challenge inventors have is they have a great idea. Unfortunately, they have lots of them. It's difficult, but they have one great idea. They produce the product and then they're like, then they get stuck because they don't have a sales and marketing background and they don't really want to do a lot of heavy lifting. And I say, stop being lazy. Get out there and push your product. So I've gone through the whole process with the Perky Collar and bring it to market. And now we're in stores and now we're online and now we're on Amazon, all these different things. So long story short, walk us through, Brent. If you're an inventor, knowing what you know, 
what steps did you take? I don't need a hundred steps, but give me your top five steps that you think are the most important every inventor should follow when they bring a product to market. Yeah. So step number one, you just mentioned it is get out there. Blah, 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 blah. Talk about yourself everywhere you can, right? You got to go, you got to go wide at first when you have something new, because the wider you go, the quicker you can start to pattern recognize, right? So you just got to go out there and do stuff and go to trade shows and put yourself on social media and go to Amazon and see who's picking up on it. Because step number two is out of that noisiness, you want to start to identify as quickly as you can. Okay, who's my ideal customer? What's my ideal customer persona? What's my ideal customer account? And those are the people, honestly, that are the easiest, the least friction to sell them, and they stay with you the longest. So ideal customers have the longest lifetime value, which means they're easier to convert, and they probably buy more and stay longer. So you want to do a bunch of stuff, but then you want to figure out who are my best customers from that a bunch of initial stuff. And I'll share a story here in a second that helped uh, crystallize it. And now you want to go deep, build a repeatable marketing and sales motion around your ideal customer. That's phase three. You don't want to go after everybody because if you're going after everybody, that's expensive and difficult and you can't really focus on where you win. And so a very early success for us was with a company called Mainstay, which has this conversational, it's an AI-based conversational product for students applying to college and an early in college. And so they can do an amazing job of getting students engaged, of building your application pipeline, helping you convert those applicants, keeping them engaged through the summer so they come, um, and then keeping them through the first year. But when I started working with them, when Olympics said they had 10 customers of six different stripes, you know, they had a nonprofit, they had a corporate uh, kind of uh, engagement. They have some community colleges, had different types of colleges and universities. And it, it's hard to scale when you got a bunch of different customer types. And so what they figured out is our ideal customer that converted the quickest and stayed with them longest, expanded the quickest, was a certain type of less selective public university, of which there are 800 in the U U.S., that have a life cycle engagement problem. They need to engage first generation students often and underrepresented communities at every one of those points. And so once they focus there, boom, went from 10 to 50 in about 18 months. Wow. So that's, those are the first three phases. And then I would say, once you get through phase three, you've got some repeatability. Think about hiring, right? Get yourself out of the selling uh, and the marketing process and, and bring in experts. Um, and now you move on to the next market uh, segments that you're going to break because often even, you know, $10 million in revenue, it's often the founder that needs to lead into the next market or into channel strategy or with the next growth initiative. So that would be my step four. And my step five would be always go back to your customers and capture their voice as you think about um, selling more and, and growing because companies at every size, the most powerful thing you have is your customer voice. Telling other people like them um, 
what the problem you solved in their words. It's not an advertisement for the company. It's an explanation of before I worked with, you know, before I found the perky collar, this is what was happening after this was what was happening. And this made my life better in this way. I got more dates. My mom didn't rag on me about my whatever it is in your case, whatever the outcome is. Problem, solution, outcome. Problem, solution, outcome. That's, that's the bottom line. I think that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I, and I deal with a lot of inventors and the hard part is to get them out there because they're engineering, typically engineers in general, or they're just, they like to tinker things, like to solve problems. And uh, I'm not an engineer, so I'm the get out there guy. I'm the guy that I saw a problem with droopy, saggy dress shirt collars. I say, there's gotta be a solution for this because no one's wearing ties anymore. And I said, here's my solution. And now it's just a matter of getting people to try it on when they see the difference. They're like, wow, that's really cool. I'll take it. And, you know, we've sold just under 25,000, which isn't a million, but we've helped 25,000 people. That's the cool part. And now it's just a matter of, like you said, that repeatable process and getting more and more people to be aware of it and solve more people's problems. Uh, so that's very good. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brent. And that was a lot of great information. So going back to Winalytics uh, and you've scaled the business, when did the business start? Because you're the founder. Uh, it started in 2014. 2014. So you got eight years, almost nine years of experience with Winalytics. Give me an example along the way of the last eight, nine years, a mistake that you made in growing and scaling the company. And then most importantly, what did you learn from that mistake? Yeah, I mean, two big related mistakes that I made. I mean, I actually, I had been a successful revenue leader running sales and marketing teams. So I started this business as really a fractional sales leader. I was basically an executive for hire. And I could work on two or three companies at a time while I was building a higher margin consulting business around building go-to-market playbooks and process and, and skills. Uh, the mistake I made was I actually, the first team I built was also fractional sales leaders and fractional sales staff. Wasn't a business I was in love with, but I could take the cash right? It was cash coming in and I knew it wasn't a business that I loved and I knew it wasn't a high margin business, but I took the money because the money was there rather than focusing on the business I wanted to build and getting there quicker. Um, and the second thing was that a lot of those people I was hiring, you know, they were, they were kind of looking for like their attachment to Winalytics in this first team was the dollars, right? Mm -hmm. What's in it for me financially? They weren't mission aligned. Um, and so, you know, the pandemic for a lot of us caused a kind of reshuffling. Um, it, it, we lost a lot of business. I lost 40% of my bookings in like 30 days. Um, and it caused us to go back to a core focus. How did we want to scale out of the pandemic? And that's, it was at that point that we shed some team members. Uh, well, actually, we took everybody through the pandemic, but we could, at the end, could see the new pipeline that was coming in was around the consulting business, not the fractional sales team. And so I started to scale a team there, higher margin business, much more aligned, recruited people that were aligned to a core mission around building this more personalized buyer journey. You know, I think the pandemic shifted not only your business, but all your clients' businesses too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, definitely the, the ability to, uh, 
I mean, it, it ultimately it's been a big boon for us because you have to now um, be much better at engaging people around the problems they're trying to solve and not pitching your product. Uh, otherwise they just tune out, right? If you're not sitting across the table, you have to engage them virtually. So people have had to change the way both sales and customer success, the way they engage with people. It has to be much more buyer and customer centric. That's been a big boon to us. Um, the other thing is just this whole shift in, you know, digital and, and social technology. I mean, there's so much information overload but if you're not telling a story about personal value across the buyer journey, people check out. So uh, that has been a big boon to us. People just leaning into this idea of life cycle personalization. Makes sense. And obviously, you know, your, your customers are now online and your customers are on social media even more because they're at home. So I would think that there's a, you know, a shift in, you know, like you said, priorities and funding and focus and, you know, maybe a softer sale, even just starting to engage the customer and, and get to know them and kind of help them get to know the clients. And it's, it's just a different process. It's, it's not just go to my website and buy. People have all this time on their hands or in front of the computer they're at home. They're doing more time searching and learning on, on the website versus, like you said, the in-person interaction. So I, I assume that a lot of the strategies and tactics that were taken uh, and the amount of social media that was required, the content had to increase as well. That's right. It's one of the fastest growing areas for us is helping people with their content strategy and content production. Yeah, and that's something that it's, it's overwhelming as how much content you need, but there's people out there that do it and do it well. It's overwhelming. And one tip, I guess that that should have been in my five is um, there is uh most people there, there's a great article that came out called the con, you know, about the content tsunami. And they were making the point that the amount of content production has gone up dramatically. Every company is increasing it, but most people, only 30% of folks have an aligned buyer journey. They're just developing content for its own sake. They're not telling a story. And so for anybody in any business, as you build your content, just thinking more about the story you're telling to your buyers at uh, Inbound, the HubSpot conference that, as you know, I mean, is a big marketing conference. The theme this year wasn't about channel. It wasn't about tactics. It was all about content amplification. If you're going to make a point, make it five times through three different channels, slice and dice your content, but make tell the same story over and over and over again, because it's a really noisy environment. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of influences out there and our, I think our attention span has gone shorter and shorter and shorter over the years. And you got to get to the point quickly. It's got to be compelling. It's got to be funny. It's got to be engaging. It's not easy. And I think a lot of the, the older folks, when I say older folks, I'm saying 40s, 50s, 60s that have been in business for you know, 10, 15 years, uh, that may not be their strength. So they really have to look to that step number four, which is hire people that are just kind of have been around it and just do it naturally and it comes it's a very easy flow for them to to develop content where i think as you get older i think it's harder for you to come up with content to be able it's a it's more takes more time and effort to create content if you're over 40 than it does for these teens and 20s and early 30s because they've just been a part of social media their entire you know young adult life yeah no i mean it's a great point it's a great point and i 
I can't emphasize enough, and I don't know if you're experiencing this in your business yet, but I heard a, you know, just this idea of like the more you can delegate every every time you build a process, the more you can delegate it, the more you can move on to the next thing. I think, and I've been guilty of this, just hanging on to stuff too long because I think only I can do it, which is uh, a recipe for not scaling. Yeah, hundred percent. And but it's so hard for entrepreneurs and business owners to let go. But the ones that let go and hire the right people that do it better than they can do it are the ones that truly scale. I mean, I think that's really the overall summary. That's a great summary. But yeah. again, every entrepreneur holds on. It's just so hard to let go because you feel like they're not going to do as well as you can. And, and you, if, if that person, if you've done the due diligence of screening people and you see their work, they clearly can do it better than you. So just let them do it. Get out of their way and let them do it. It's yeah, websites. I mean, everything else, is, it's all tied. I mean, whether it be websites, whether it be social media, whether it be content creation, there's other people. You create your product. Get out of the way. Let the people that do it and do it well, let them do their thing, so to speak. Yeah. Well put. So, Brent, uh, kind of let's wrap up with a uh, success story because obviously, you know, every company out there struggles to find the right customer consistently for a long period of time. I think that it's kind of like the music industry to live, to, to be an Elton John, to be a Madonna, to be a Billy Joel for 20 plus years is not easy. Uh, and obviously marketing yourself and promoting yourself and staying relevant and staying up to date. And you see retail stores closing all the time because they haven't been able to stay relevant. They haven't come up with new products. They haven't stayed hip. You know, Coca-Cola is another great example. Uh, give me an example of a success story, someone that you have worked with that maybe struggled to find a good campaign uh, or find the right target market, but after working with you, is now on the right track, having record sales, and you're just incredibly proud of the uh, improvements they've made. The owners kind of step back and let you run with things, and now you're uh, he's singing your praise, or she. Yeah, um, the mainstay story I shared is one. I think sure. it would fit that profile, but another one that's interesting in more retail um, for, you know, that side of things, a company called Iron Tree Service um, that basically does, you know, landscaping and tree removal and tree pruning. Uh, it is a very price competitive market and the founder there, who's a Babson trained entrepreneur, um, you know, basically what he wanted to do was say, look, I can build a higher margin business in this commodity segment um, by what they, they talk about the iron tree guarantee, like relative to any other landscaping company that might come out and probably is going to, you know, nick your car and leave a bunch of clippings around and, um, you know, not pick up the phone when you call them. They basically created this service guarantee to be able to justify 25 or 30% higher prices uh, and target the market, maybe not the mass market, but a big enough chunk of the market to grow a nice business very profitably. They were already doing this business when we started working with them. What we helped them do was build a sales team culture around that uh, positioning value uh, and also qualifying buyers around value. If they didn't get the aspects of the IRT promise in that first meeting, okay, that's fine. They wanted to go with the you know the price uh, oriented competitor. Just walk away. Spend your time with uh, 
prospects that did get it and focus on your core, your ideal buyer. Um, and so that's, you know, they've gotten off to a nice, uh, just an accelerated growth trajectory just by helping to sharpen their positioning and then making that sales executable. That's so hard for a new business owner to walk away from a customer because uh, you want every customer, you know, and it's so hard to, to realize in the face that customer is not your ideal customer. You're much better off walking away because the amount of work you're going to put in is the same, but your revenue is going to be greatly different when it's the right customer. Yes, that's right. I mean, you're spending time on non-ideal customers at an early stage. I mean, the costs of that are just hard to estimate. And this was the lesson I shared, right? We took a lot of non-ideal customers because the dollars were there and that right. definitely uh, slowed, us, slowed us down to get to um, the business we wanted to be. Right. I think it's always that fine-tuning process and just get, you know, filter down, filter down, filter down. Not so much that you have no one left but filter down. So you're really giving the great service to the people that appreciate the most and are willing to pay the price. So that way you feel valued as well of what you're providing for them. Yeah, it, it, you're right. You're looking for fit on both sides. Those are the best business relationships. hundred percent. And they refer you to friends and the whole network from there goes on and on and on, which is fantastic. And obviously they're repeat customers and are loyal. And I think loyalty is another big key to develop. Uh, when you take care of the customer, you do it right, and you have the uh, iron tree service, you know, promise. Uh, you know, it, if, as long as you're taken care of, they're going to come back. They're going to be a customer for life, uh, even if it costs them more. As long as it's done right, done efficiently, done as you said you're going to do it, that's that's all that people care for. And it's, it's a winning combination. So, Brent, uh, close this out with how people can get a hold of you. Maybe business owners listen to this interview and says, you know what? I really need someone to help me with my marketing strategy. I really need someone to help me increase my, uh, you know, my revenue. And I need, you know, you brought up a lot of good points today. The top five list that we discussed. I need to apply that to my business. So leave the audience with your, maybe your website, uh, social media handles that you're on. If you want to leave an email or phone, that's totally up to you. Uh, but just how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, I would. I, I first thing I would say is you're what connect with me on LinkedIn. There's only there aren't, I think, any other Brent Keltners on there. B R E N T Keltner K E L T N E R. So connect with me on LinkedIn and just note that you, you know, you heard the show and enjoyed it, had a follow up question. Always happy to do follow up conversations live or via email, but they can also just check out our website. Um, winalytics.com. Uh, if they want, they can download um, the a free chapter of our book. There's a, a book page and you can download for free a chapter and that will kind of tell you more about our approach and, and our method. Excellent. Well, Brent, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Congratulations on your success of the company. And I'm just honored to have you on the show. David, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversations. It's great stuff. Yes, sir. I appreciate you being on the show. And again, thank you for sharing, because I think that's the most important thing. The reason I started this show four years ago was I felt there's a real need to share people's story, why they started, what they've learned to avoid making mistakes. But most importantly, there's some great knowledge out there. Uh, if people just can just find it. And, you know, it's nice to understand your backstory and understand where you're coming from and your background. And it's just, you know, you can Google all you want, but to hear someone's backstory, I think, is much more compelling as to who you want to do business with. Absolutely. Well, Brent, thank you again for being on the show. And thank you've you, listened. David. 
My pleasure, Brent. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Collar Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right. Over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in elephant, R as in Robert, K as in kangaroo, Y as in yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's perkyllc.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked, collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at perkyllc.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out perkyllc.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions. Are you ready to publish your own book? Do you have a story to tell? Does the world need to hear your story? Now is your chance. Go to https colon forward slash go go dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. That's right. It's as simple as that. They'll walk you through every step needed to publish your own book. And watch out, be ready to be an Amazon bestseller, maybe a Wall Street Journal bestseller, or maybe even New York Times bestseller. It all starts with a single step and having the right team around you. Again, go to https colon forward slash go, G-O dot bestsellingbook.com forward slash perky collar radio show. Look forward to seeing your amazing results.